February 20th, 2023. We're in Masechet Besa Andaf Zayin Amud Aleph in the first wide line. The Gemara is wrapping up uh, briefly a conversation it had earlier with regards to the statement of Rav. Rav had an ambiguous statement. The statement was that Beza, an egg, im yesiata, together with its exit, meaning from the chicken, which is birthing it, nigmerit, it's finished. And the Gemara had all sorts of uh, explanations with regards to what could Rav had have meant with that statement. We're not certain. Was he talking about biologically? Was he alternatively talking about with regards to the laws of Yom Tov? Was he talking about with regards to the laws of Basar Behalab? So the Gemara has one final explanation and two ways of explaining it or setting it forth. Says the Gemara here again in the in the last in the first of the wide lines. right in the middle of the line. Says Gemara and if you want, say. In other words, the Gemara will suggest a different answer to what those words meant of Rav, the Emora. What does it mean when he stated, What does it mean? What did it mean that with its exit, when it comes out, it's finished? Explains the Gemara, suggests the Gemara. Maybe the explanation goes as follows. With regards to Yom Tob, how will I understand this egg if the majority of it came out before Yom Tob? Again, the circumstances, Eid of Yom Tob, the chicken is about to birth and it pushes the majority of the egg out but not its entirety, and then brings it back in. I don't know, imagine it. I've never seen chickens give birth, but imagine it like a suction cup of some sort, a suction, suction item. So some of it went out, the majority went out, and then it sucked it back in. It wasn't ready or whatever the circumstance was. What would the status be with regards to its birth then on Yom Tov? Do we imagine it, do we envision it as if it was already born beforehand? Or alternatively, if the whole thing didn't come out, it's not considered born, and as a result, Beit Hillel told us in our first Mishnah that Beitza Shinoda Biyom Tov is Asura. What's that? I don't know what to. T- I don't know what to tell you. I, somehow you saw it. I'm not certain. I don't have experience with these sorts of matters. But that's the statement. Says the Gemara. If that's the case, uh, that would be Uchdir Biyohanan. Rav would be. Uh, concording, he would be uh, uh, deg- agreeing with the statement of Rabbi Yohanan, the Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Beta Shiyaseah Rubam Erev Yom Tov, Vehazra Muteret Leochla Biyom Tov. Such a circumstance where uh, it, the Ruba, the majority, came out before Yom Tov and then went in and then came, became uh, fully birthed on Yom Tov. We consider it as if it was fully birthed before Yom Tov. And in which case, there's no issue of beta shenolda biyom tov. The circumstances before ben Hashem Ashot, it came out ruba on weekday. It came out majority of it. How'd you see it? I don't know. Charlie's assuming that all the birthing takes place when it's sitting down. Maybe it's not. Maybe it stands up a little bit. Maybe it waddles around when I'm about it. So that's the answer. The answer is even if Ben Hashem Ashot, it's fully inside now. The fact that it came out majority, that's it. It's, bo- it's born already. It went back in. That's right. We envision it as going back in, but fully birthed already. Alternatively, says the Gemara, same type of explanation, but opposite direction. There is he who explained. It's referring to the same circumstance, the same situation where the majority came out. But what Rav meant, if you recall, his words are, 
im yesiata nigmera. It's finished with its exit. He meant not the majority exit, but the full exit. In other words, he was talking about the same case. What happens if the chicken gave birth to majority of the egg and then brings it back in? Uh, what's the status? So the first explanation of Rav was, oh, he means like Rabbi Ochanan told us that if the majority came out, it's now permitted to consume it on Yom Tov, even though it appears to the casual onlooker as if it was fully born on Yom Tov. Alternatively, Rav meant quite the opposite. Unless it entirely comes out, it's not considered born. It has to do, uh, well, if it was born entirely before Yom Tov, so you have no problem of Hakana. But it wasn't. In other words, that's the question. The question is, are we considering. Well, is it ready or not? I mean, I, you're assuming ready. I mean, we, we want to understand. In other words, it's going to be ready, quote unquote, again, the quality and the status of ready. It comes out fully on Yom Tov. Does that mean? that it was kind of really born before Yom Tov, in which case it was fully ready the day beforehand, or alternatively, the fact that it came out a bit meant it wasn't ready yet, it was fil- still finishing its readiness, born on Yom Tov, it wasn't ready beforehand. So the fact that it came out on Yom Tov, it was fully ready inside the chicken's body? But again, that's, that is the question over here. Does the majority birth before Yom Tov establish this as having already been ready before Yom Tov? Or alternatively, do we say, oh, it wasn't. Again, the, the readiness, the hachana de Rabbah is all contingent upon the birth. If the birth is on Yom Tov, it wasn't ready. Again, because of the Gezerah, because of Shabbat before Yom Tov. But you know, there's no real nafkami, now. there's no real ramifications with regards to this and the readiness. Readiness already, in most circumstances, is only a gezerah. Readiness, hachana, was when you have Shabbat into Yom Tov, Yom Tov into Shabbat, we assume the day beforehand it's prepared, which is Shabbat or Yom Tov. In this circumstance, regular circumstance, not Shabbat before Yom Tov anywhere. But if that's your reasoning, that's your reasoning. The question only is, is this born on Yom Tov or not? What did it mean? When Rav said again, uh, it's finished with its exit, it's coming out, im yitziat kula nigmera. It's when it entirely comes out, im yitziat kula in aval ruba lo. What he's implying, what he's stating then is with the majority, it's not considered born. It's only when it's entirely born, ula afuke, and in which case he'd be coming to exclude and to negate and go against. The statement of Rabbi Yohanan. So in other words, you either have a, a consistency between Rav and Rabbi Yohanan, you have a mahlok between Rav and Rabbi Yohanan. What's the circumstance where the egg was born majority before Yom Tov, but then the chicken sucks it back up, and on Yom Tov it comes out entirely. Uh, well, what's the status of that uh, egg? Was it born before Yom Tov or on Yom Tov? Irrespective of any of the four reasons we suggested for being born on Yom Tov being a problem, if it's Consider being born on Yom Tov, Beti Leil Seyasur. If alternatively, halachically speaking, I put on my new lenses and I say, oh, that's already born. What do you mean? It's inside. No, but it was already born. Chalas, it's finished. In such a circumstance, it would be permitted on Yom Tov. Uh, that's what we have here in our Gemara. The Gemara now returns us to a Beraita we mentioned earlier. We have a good 10, 15 lines of a little bit intricate details with regards to, well, we'll see in a moment or two, the, uh, I don't know if it's the anatomy, but it's the 
particular physical uh, attributes of uh, chickens and eggs and their ramifications with regards to one or two laws. Gufa says the Gemara will bring you back to a statement we, we had earlier. Guf, of course, means body. It means uh, going back to the body of the matter. We cited a Beraita there on Dafvava Mudbet. We're going back to it. Here were the words. It said over there, if you slaughtered a, a chicken, and you found inside of the chicken complete uh, eggs. The statement was of the hachamim, those complete eggs are already considered separate from the body of the chicken, and as a result, they're not considered to be meat, they're rather considered to be parv, they're considered to be eggs, and it's permitted then to consume them together with milk. That's the statement of the hachamim. Again, if it's before gimurot, if it's before they finish their development, so then we say they're a part of the chicken. If they're a part of the chicken, it'll be asuti with halab. Just to puzzle. This was why we quoted this Beraitab. The statement of Rav was, We quoted this and we were wondering, how does this fit in? How does it not fit in? It wasn't per se contradiction, but we did ask it as a question on Rav. Well, if we understand Rav as having nothing to do with the actual development of the chicken, of the egg, but rather the birth of the chicken, so then there's no contradiction. If we were envisioning Rav as we did over there, as talking about Basar Halav, which I'll remind you, you didn't like very much because the statement had nothing to do with it, right, seemingly, in its, in its simple sense, so then it was potentially a, a question on him. But at this point, we're done with that, Rav, because uh, now we, uh, we're just going back to this Beraita to dissect it. So again, then you had this dissenting opinion of Yaakov Omer, Im Hayum Urot Begidin Asurot. The statement of Rabbi Yaakov is if they were Me'urot Begidin. Me'urot Begidin means they're connected from sinews of some sort. That's uh, some sort of internal muscles of uh, or one or another, which is connecting or, you know, to, uh, physical stuff which is connecting those eggs to the inside or to the uh, body of the, uh, of the chicken, e- even though they're gemurot, the statement of Rabbi Yaakov is they're still asurot. So if, uh, Nathan's suggesting, if we didn't have the continued gemara, I accept it, but Nathan's suggesting the simple reading over here is they're not disagreeing per se. The second opinion is qualifying the first opinion. Yaakov is explaining what is the determination of gemurot. The understanding of the gemara is it's a mahlok. According to the hachamim, uh, it's not, if, even if they're me'urot begidin, at the very least, if they're gemurot, it's already separate, but it's still connected, it's still connected, it's okay. Tosafot does wonder, how does it mean that how could you have it connected when it's already finished? Apparently, Tosafot, Gemara, understanding, knowledge, is such that um, uh, an egg, when it's fully finished, it's no longer connected by those sinews. And as a result, Tosafot questions, well, what are we talking about? They first quote from Rashi, um, Rashi, if you recall, told us it doesn't mean it was actually finished. It means that the yolk was finished, but somehow the white external part, and certainly the shell, are not finished. So, yeah, it's finished. It's kind of a long, 
Alternatively, um, if we take out that word gimurot, a different girsan tosafot. Either way, you slice it effectively. We have a mahloket here. We have two opinions in the beraita with regards to how we envision, at what stage rather, we envision these eggs as being separate from the chicken, and in turn, the halakhic ramification of whether you can have it together with milk. Is it considered meat or is it considered uh, parv? Uh, Faraj Malabasati was here for just a few minutes on Friday, I think it was, and he said to me afterwards that in Halab, or maybe Damascus, he said that very often they would slaughter chickens, find the eggs inside, and right away go and cook it together with, I don't know, cheese and milk and things of that sort. Uh, so you understand this was a lot more, not too long ago, a lot more practical and uh, real life uh, issue than it is today. Anyway, says the Gemara Mantana Leha. The Tanur Rabbanan. Now that we mentioned those two opinions, let's move onward and try to apply one of those two opinions, Rabbi Yaakov or the Chachamim, to the next Beraita. Again, we have to keep that on the back burner, this Beraita, with regards to how do we qualify, how do we envision what is a separate egg. Is it when it just finished? It's finished its development, it's already separate? Or alternatively, does it need to be actually physically separated? That's the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov. If it's bigidin, if it's bigidin, if it's still connected by those sinews, it's not finished yet. And so now we have a beraita. In this next beraita, we're going to play a, a game of sorts. Not a real game, but we're going to ask whose opinion will accord with these next words in the beraita. So that's the challenge. The following statement. Now, brief introduction. We're going to talk about the halachot very briefly and not in depth of tumah and tahara of contamination, ritual contamination of the Torah and uh, and purity. And we're going to talk about nivlat of tahor. Nivlat well of tahor. We know minimal means a, a kosher of a bird, but the nevela means it wasn't slaughtered properly or it just died on its own. Either way you slice it, it wasn't killed or didn't die in a kosher fashion. Now the halakha with regards to nivlat of tahor, as Rashi fills in the gaps for us, are different than other halakhot. The halakha with regards to this is there's no tumat magan, there's no tumat masa. By touching it or by carrying it, you don't, uh, it doesn't impart uh, impurity tumat to you. The only way that it does impart uh, impurity to you is if you eat it. And that means to say you can eat it without touching it. You can push it into your mouth and you're still tameh. The issue is when it goes into your body. When it goes into your body, it's so much contaminates. Gezerat HaKatub, the Torah teaches us, according to the rabbis, that it's a part of you, the clothing that you're wearing. This is quite the hidush, become tameh as well. Again, if it touched my clothing, if it touched my hand, if I carried it, it's no tumah. If I eat it, it becomes so metameh, nivlat of tahor, that it contaminates the clothing as well. You want the philosophical underpinnings? I can't tell you, I'm not certain. I just know these are the halachot. That's number one. Number two, and this is the other important detail you have, need to have as an introduction, is when we're dealing with, with nivlat of tahor, which, which by eating it becomes tameh, it's specifically and only, and the rabbis learned this from Pasuk as well, when you're eating from the flesh of the, that uh, bird. How do you define flesh? Well, that'll be an important question that we're gonna deal with over here. But if you're eating from any other part of it that's not considered flesh, well, then it's not going to be mitameh. You might already have triggered in your mind the last beraita we read. Maybe you'll understand where we're going now. Are the eggs inside of it considered its flesh? Or the eggs inside of it considered something that's extracted from it? Well, that was a question 
between Rabbi Yaakov and Hachamim in specific circumstances. Remember, they were talking about, can you eat this egg together with milk? Effectively asking, is it considered flesh, meat, or not? In turn, we're going to have to deal with some of the details in this Beraita and see if we can match up things. Anyway, says the Gemara over here, that Mantana, who is the author, who is the uh, rabbi from the time of Mishnah, whom we can attribute the following lehad tanur rabbanan the following beraita and say that it was his statement ha ochel minivlat of tahor that's the circumstance as I told you dead bird uh, you shouldn't be eating from it but you ate from it min hashalal if you ate from the uh, shalal, uh, what's the shalal? Shalal shalal, uh, shalal shal betzim means a cluster of eggs when they're inside of the uh, ovary, as explains Rashi. Min hashalal shal betzim kshen kivushin ushlulin ukvuin bashidra. So you ate from uh, these eggs when they are, says Rashi, meura bigidin. Exactly what we were talking about earlier. They still connected by sinews of some sort or another to the inside of this bird. So you, you didn't slaughter the bird, you found the bird, and you grabbed those eggs and you ate from them. Okay. Min ha'atzamot, you ate from uh, bones, probably soft bones. Umin ha'gidin, or different limbs of some sort. Umin ha'basar shenitlash min ha'chai, or you ate from flesh, which while this animal was still alive, before it died, was, it was disconnected. I don't know how that happened. It cut itself. You cut it off and you ate from that. Any of those circumstances, tahor. If you ate from any of those sorts of things, that's not considered basar from nivlat of tahor. Uh, pay attention again. We mentioned as part of that list, the first one was shalal shel betim. We're considering the shalal shel betim, the cluster of eggs, internal while still connected, as not being considered flesh. That doesn't sound very much like our opinion earlier of Rabbi Yaakov. Okay, continues the Beraita and says... It's the nevela imparts tum'ah, always. Over here, it imparts tum'ah specifically by eating. However, when they're eating it, they're tahor. Right. Uh, what do you want me to tell you? Hakadosh Baruch has interesting ways, mysterious ways. Especially in tum'ah. I can't tell you because I can tell you that's the halakha. It's a, take a look if you want. Uh, you know, Rashi will help you read that. On, Rashi on the right hand side, nivlat of tahor. You see it right above the one we just read. Mitamea ha'ochla. It contaminates the person who eats from it. Litame bigadim to in turn uh, to have his clothing become tame. Shuhu lavush bishat biliata that he's wearing at the time that he swallows it. tumat masa. However, what you call maga touching or masa carrying, it doesn't have that tumah. That's a very unique, very different, strange tumah. nida, where'd we learn this from? Must be logical. No, no, no. Yalfinan la, we learned it from ve'ha'ochel ehad min ha'devarim Yalfinan la, kama, we learned this from a pasuk, ve'ha'ochel ehad min ha'devarim ha'elu mimena, and so forth, right? So now we're talking about what those things are, dot, dot, dot. So effectively, it's a derashav, the gemara, masechin nida, and dafnunal, if these are the laws. Okay, now, the next part of the beraita, in contrast, are, what if you ate from min ha'eshkul? Shel betzim. 
You ate from the Eshkol, sounds like, at this point, the Gemara will suggest differently. Rashi writes, Mi besar hashidra. You ate from, uh, this all sounds disgusting to me, but you ate from the ovary itself, the area which is incubating inside the animal, the bird, rather, the, uh, the eggs. So you ate from the flesh of the area of the egg. You didn't eat from the eggs that were in there. You found the area where the eggs are kept, you carved out the meat around it, what looks like meat, and you ate from that. Min ha-kurkevan. Kurkevan, I uh, put it into Google Translate this morning. The craw, I think. C-R-A-W, is that how they translate it in the art scroll? Which apparently is like the stomach area. I don't know. You have to, uh, we need Morris Ben, and where is he when you need him? Ubne me'ain, or you ate from the intestines of the uh, chicken. All of this sounds Again, not too appealing to me. Or alternatively, instead of eating from it, you melted it or you turned it into some sort of liquid-like thing. So maybe you'd say in each of these circumstances, that's not basa. You ate from the craw. You ate from the ovary. Disgusting. That's not flesh. You melted it. That's not meat. You thought you found the loophole in all these situations. Alternatively, tameh. Uh, that's all considered flesh. So again, what do we have in this bit? I tell we have two sides of the aisle. One side of the aisle is not considered flesh. Most important, obviously for us, is min hashalal shel betzim, which means you ate from the egg while it's still connected by a sinew, but somewhat finished. What's the halacha? Not considered flesh. Oh, that's the most important part. But then on the other side, and we have to pay attention to that as well. We have all sorts of circumstances where you ate not in the normal fashion, not from the parts that maybe you would be eating from, all considered basa and all in the context of not kosher or not kosher, but rather whether it's tameh or tahor. Says the Gemara Mantana, who's the author who said, quote, min betim tahor, whose opinion would it be that if you ate from the egg when it was connected by the sinews to the inside of the chicken, that you're tahor because it's not considered basar. Amar of Yosef, did look at Rabbi Yaakov. That must not be like the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov whom we read about right before and Rabbi Yaakov's statement explicitly. Black on white was, if the egg is still connected by sinews to the inside of the chicken, to the ovary of the chicken, the egg is forbidden to be eaten with milk. He's telling you that it's considered meat. If it's considered meat, then it should be considered meat in this context as well. If it were the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov Ha'amar, didn't he tell us, Im hayu me'urot asurot, if it was still connected by those sinews um, to, to the uh, chicken, then it's asurot to eat with milk. So again, that would imply it's considered basar. Amale abaye says abaye, you're mixing potentially. I don't know. I would say apples and oranges, but over here, I've, I don't talking about different types of foods. Okay, you're mixing one thing that has nothing to do with the other. What are you talking about? Well, these are two different domains. You know, it's similar to it's similar to we sometimes talk about in Hilchot Shabbat, for example, what comes to mind in the moment. You talk about Hilchot Shabbat. You want to know what melechet harisha is. You want to know what's plowing on Shabbat. So very often what the Gemara will do, and then in turn, the Rishonim, will say, well, where do we find plowing elsewhere? I'm not certain how to qualify this on Shabbat. What's the determination? I'll look to Shemitah. You're not allowed to plow the field on Shemitah on the seventh year. I'll find the laws over there and I'll apply it to Shabbat. Is that a good application? Maybe it's not the same. I'll talk about basar behalav. I'll talk about cooking milk and meat. You're not only not allowed to eat it, you're not allowed to cook it either. The Torah even says it. What's the halacha with regards to cooking it? I'm working in a restaurant, in a, in a laboratory, whatever, and I need to cook it, but it's already been cooked. 
That's the situation. Well, on Shabbat, we get into laws in Siman Shin Yot Chayetav. En Bishul Har Bishul. On Shabbat, you have all sorts of laws explicit. What's considered cooking on Shabbat? If it's Kima'achal Ben if it's a specific... Is that the same laws when it comes to Basar B'Halav? So anytime you try to say, well, I know this over here, let me apply it to over there, that's always a jump. Is that really so? We just have one characterization of plowing in all Torah laws. I have one characterization of bishul, of cooking in all Torah laws. Never simple. Always a conversation. That's what's going on over here in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, you're talking about something that's considered meat. You were talking about it with regards to not eating it, basar b'halab, and Rabbi Yaakov told us it's considered meat. Would he extend that to Tum'ah and Tahara as well? Would he extend that to it being considered meat for something that's going to contaminate you? That's, that's what... Amale Abaye Mimai, question mark. How do you know that this is so? It's a proper application. Well, if Rabbi Yaakov says it's meat over there, it's meat over here. Dilma, maybe Adkan Lakamar Biakov Hatam Elalainyan Isura Avalainyan Tum'ah Lo. So the statement is, maybe he said it specifically to Yaakov with regards to eating, eating basab halab. When it comes to contamination, when it comes to tuman tahara, he would not make that claim. It's not considered basar. Maybe we should make a gezera in this context. The assumption of the Gemara is even by basar halab, it wasn't actually considered flush, flesh. It wasn't actually considered basar, according to Yaakov. Keep in mind, it's a finished egg. You look at the egg, you say, that's meat? That's not meat. No, 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 but it's a gezera came from inside, it was still connected to the animal, and we make a gizira, maybe we should do the same thing when it comes to Tuman Tahara. If the statement all after all of Rabbi Yaakov is, I'm nervous about this, you found it inside the chicken, it looks like, flat. no it doesn't, it looks like an egg, but it came from inside, you're going to be confused. Maybe that should be an application, not only to not eating it together with milk, but to Tuman Tahara as well, and the line of the Gemara, which the cynics will laugh at, and others will appreciate, Afushe Tuma'ahu ve'afushe Tuma'ah midrabbanan la'amavshinan. The statement is, Afushe milashon vaynafash, which we have on, of course, the seventh day, nefesh. Vaynafash means he breathed to a certain extent. He provided space. It means to spread out. Afushe Tuma'ah means we don't spread out Tuma'ah. We try to keep close and not to all across the board the concept of tumah midrabanan. The rabbis didn't want everyone burning all their all their food and all their clothing. They were interested in lives of absolute OCD where everyone's nervous about anywhere and anything that they're going to touch or go to. And as a result, if they were able to say, ah, we're not going that far on this. We don't need to say that's tamir. They would say that as often as they could. I say the cynics will laugh at this because if you learn the laws of Hilchot Tum'ah and Tahara, there are so many laws of Tum'ah Midrabanan. There are so many laws. Think about the laws of Nida. Much of the laws of Nida that you and I know today are rabbinically, uh, rabbinic in nature. That's not to say that we don't need, we need to very much keep to them. But I thought, Afushet Tum'ah la, la Mafshinam, we don't spread this. We're, Sometimes they do, and sometimes they, it's not a simple uh, uh, ritva I saw this morning addresses this matter. But anyway, that's, that's the statement of the Gemara. So again, the Gemara, just to piece it all together, to give you a structure very basically before we move onward and try to conclude this, this sugya, the Gemara had the following mahlokit, which we knew about already. We knew about it from the context of Rav last week. The statement was a question with regards to when I have an egg which is still somewhat connected to the ovary of the chicken. What's the status in such a circumstance? On the 
one hand, the egg seems to be somewhat done or fully done uh, with regards to its, its uh, development. It could still have a little bit more, but it's an egg already. What's the status of that? Biakov says it's not an egg. If it's connected, it's still meat. You're not allowed to have that together with milk. Hachamim disagreed. Gemara says, wait a second, with regards to tum'at and tahara, with regards to whether I consider this from the flesh of a dead chicken, well, the statement quite clearly is I don't. And as a result, it doesn't impart tum'at. Must not be like Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi Yaakov told me I do consider it basar. Answers the Gemara, you're, con- you're mixing one thing with another. What are the two things? One is Isur Achila, Isuraz, the Gemara, not eating. Not eating, we consider it flesh and meat. Don't eat it, it's, it's confusing. Alternatively, when it comes to Tuma and Tahara, so that's not meat. We don't want to have laws and strictures and, and guidelines which are going to make too much uh, nervousness and too much uh, tenuous situations and lifestyles for people. Says the Gemara, Vi'ikade Amre. We have one more version with regards to dealing with this, in case you hadn't had enough of uh, chicken anatomy and uh, matters of that sort. We have a little bit more, one more. Man tana min ha'ishkol shil betzim tameh. All right, let's go to the second part of the Beraita. So that was the first part of the Beraita. First part of the Beraita talked about the shalal, talked about the egg which was connected. The second part of the Beraita, if you recall, had these words, eshkol, which was the actual ovary of the eggs. As I said, it sounded disgusting to me, but what do I know? You're eating from the ovary. The second part of the Beraita told us that if you ate from the ovary of eggs, which does look and appear like flesh, it might not be what you're normally eating, it's considered meat. And as a result, you become tameh. Amar Rav Yosef, Rabbi Yaakovi. The statement on that last line of Rav Yosef is, that would be... That would be like the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov. Rav Yosef says that has to do with the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov. What does it have to do with the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov? Rabbi Yaakov was talking about an egg. Over here we're talking about uh, the uh, over here we're talking about the, uh, the the ovary. The assumption here in the Gemara of Rav Yosef is we're not talking about the eshkol itself, the ovary itself. We're rather talking about the eggs. That's his understanding. So his understanding is it's reference in this second part of the Beraita to the eggs. If the eggs are in the ovary, connected in some way or another, it's tamen. How do you explain that? Rabbi Yaakov. Amale Abaye. Abaye says, wait, the explanation we had initially might be uh, easier. de eshkol talya eshkol. How do you know when we mention the ovary, we're talking about the eggs that are connected to the ovary, Dilma, maybe, Eshkol Gufe. We're talking about the actual ovary. That's where you, Maybe you'll say, if you ate from the ovary, of course that's meat. The ovary is part of this chicken. Of course it's considered meat, and of course you become Tameh. We would say that that's similar in this respect to the other strange things to be eating from, the craw and the intestines. Nobody really eats from them, but the Beraita tells us if you did, do something strange, and you did eat from them. I don't know, you don't have a lot of money, and you, or you have a funny uh, way of doing things. Such, what's that? Say it again. Hot dog from chicken. Oh, is that what, uh, that what goes into a hot dog? I don't, I'm not going to have a hot dog any longer. Since there are some people who don't eat from it, 
Don't eat from the craw, don't eat from the intestines, don't eat from the ovary. You needed to tell us that it's considered flesh and meat. Says uh, Jesse, apparently with, uh, with knowledge of this matter, that when it comes to animals, that's what we're eating when we eat uh, hot dogs. So then it might not be so far-fetched. Um, you might not really find any longer, even by chickens. Okay, that all being the case, the Gemara moves away from the internal uh, anatomy of a uh, chicken and moves us uh, to a little bit, I was going to say, cleaner uh, zone, not really, but uh, outside of the inside of the chicken at the very least. It brings us out of it. Tanur Rabbanan, the Beraita, has the following halakha. It's a little bit lighter, a little bit less imagination. I might not want to be imaginative about these matters, but it's a little bit easier. Kol shetashmisho bayom. Any animal, any being who has relations, uh, sexual relations during the day, nolad bayom, in turn, the birth, uh, the offspring will be during the day. Is it going to be masoret or biological truths that the rabbis are stating? Of course, the question will be, you're not teaching me biology class, are you? You're teaching me something halachic. Kol shetashmisho balayla, any animal, any any uh, uh, being which has uh, uh, specifically relations at night, in turn, nolad balayla, it'll be only during the nighttime that they'll give birth as well. Kol shetashmisho ben bayom ben balayla, nolad ben bayom ben balayla. Any being who has relations, whether in day or at night, will in turn give birth both during the daytime and the nighttime. Let's break this down. Kol shetashmisho bayom, nolad bayom, what are we referring to with regards to beings that have relations during the day and in turn we can know with all certainty they give birth only during the day? Zotar Negolet, that's a reference to chickens. Chickens apparently only have their relations during the day and in turn will only give birth during the day. Before you have biological questions, you'll have to see the continued lines of the... So to us... Well, to a certain, to, um, the Gemara has better than that, but you're on, you're on to something. I'll tell you already what the Gemara is coming to, but it's, it's the same, same line of thought. The Gemara will say, you checked the chicken coop before Yom Tov. You checked it right before Ben Hashem Hashem, you didn't see any chickens there. You woke up before sunrise in the morning, at Alot HaShachar time, and you found the chicken. What's the halakha with regards to that chicken? Says, says the Gemara, what's that? An egg, I'm sorry, you found an egg. What's the halakha with regards to that egg? The Gemara will say explicitly and clearly, without a doubt, it's, con- it's considered mutar. What do you mean it's mutar? I checked it beforehand. Maybe didn't check well enough. Oh, I did check well enough, doesn't matter. The halakha is such that we are certain that it needs to be and would be born during the day. I mean, we'll deal with that in the Gemara, but that's the direction we're going in. Kol shetash misho balayla nolad balayla. What about uh, beings uh, which have their relations at night? Um, they reproduce at night. In turn, their birth will be at night. Zo That'll be bats. Maybe any other nocturnal beings. That would be a reference to human beings and anyone else like human beings. Probably the majority of uh, beings in this world have their uh, reproduction either during the daytime or nighttime. And in turn, the birth is either during the day- daytime or nighttime. Says the Gemara, let's analyze this. Amar Mor. Amar Mor means we'll bring you back to a statement we had just a moment ago. There was someone who spoke up in the Midrash and quoted something. One second, can we go back to that statement? Amar Mor, call, quote, Kol bayom nolad bayom unquote. That was the statement. What's the practical ramification of that line? 
Okay, so that's just for my, uh, my knowledge, for Yediata Bore, I could get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu because I understand the world. I mean, there's got to be something more to it than that. I'll go out and I'll look at the world and I'll understand. Why do the rabbis teach me this? Lemaynaf Kamina answers the Gemara, Lichterav Mare Ba Bere Derav Kahana. Derav Mare Bere Derav Kahana. Badak Bekana Shel Tarnagolin Me'erv Yom Tov. If the circumstance were such that you checked the nest, the coop of chickens before Yom Tov, uh, during daytime, right before Ben Hashem Ashot, and you didn't find an egg. Ulamahar, and the next morning, Hishkim, says Rashi, when did you wake up? Kodem Alot Shahar, before morning break. Umazaba and you find an egg in there. Muteret, it's permitted. Why is it permitted? Because you could only give birth during the day. But you did check. It must have been he didn't check well enough. And even if he did check properly, says the Gemara, as Nathan already preempted, if he did even check before, I didn't see anything. It can't be that it was born before Yom Tov, I didn't see anything. It must be that it came out its majority and then got sucked back in. And the statement in turn this bit, I test, following that opinion of Rabbi Yohanan, that if the majority of it came out, we consider it as if it fully came out. Baruch Adonai